This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Inclusive Collective, where we share stories and learnings of inclusive people, organizations, and innovation. I am your co-host, Nadia Butt. I'm an organizational development and belonging strategist, and I'm normally joined by my co-host, Rob Hadley, a people and culture strategist specializing in DEI and people analytics. But we are on a bit of a summer hiatus, so um, it's just me today. Lucky you. Um, so first, I wanted to wish everyone a happy summer. If it's not humid and hot, then it's rainy, stormy, and there's a tornado watch. So I will say that if Rob were here, he'd probably say something sarcastic like, yay for climate change. Um, either way, we hope you all are enjoying your summer days and evenings with your family and friends, staying safe, and eating plenty of ice cream. Um, also, I wanted to share a new podcast recently released called Fanboy Friday with Shah Jahan Khan, um, a weekly podcast of bite-sized interviews, bringing in a conversation with an, um, an amazing American Muslim creative. It's really cool. So while you're lounging on the beach or at the pool, um, download Fanboy Friday with Shah Jahan Khan and check it out. So on today's special episode, we'll feature conversations on inclusion from the world of living with disabilities. Um, so disability inclusion. Today's show will feature some best of highlights from our conversations with disability consultant Mary Fernandez. Um, with Jonathan Kaufman of J. Kaufman Consulting, with Miriam Semantwala of The Blind Hijabi, and with Keith Kirkland and Kevin Yu, um, the co-founders of WearWorks. For those of you that have been with us from the beginning in season one, we were really fortunate to interview our, our good friend Molly Levitt um, from Remarkable, a disability tech accelerator. She graciously opened up um, Rob and I to a new world of founders and consultants and startups who are focused on mitigating bias and creating products for people living with disabilities. Um, it was through her that we were introduced to inclusion and disability consultant Mary Fernandez, who um, is a lead disability inclusion consultant at Cisco. Mary came on Inclusive Collective and talked about so many great things, including accessibility, barriers of people living with disabilities. Um, she talked about um, accessibility, her own personal lived experiences, and how everyone at some point in life will be living with a disability. Let's listen to a clip of that conversation here. You know, when, when you talk to the disabled community in general, I think that the one thing we agree on uh, is that it's the attitudes around disability that 
really impact our quality of life, our experiences in the world. Because when we think about disability, first of all, people feel great discomfort. They don't know what language to use. They don't know what to say. And even when you think about children asking about disability, so oftentimes when I walk down the street with my white cane, kids are like, mommy, what's that for? It happened the other day. It was me and my friends. We were walking down and she goes, it's to tell them where they are. And my friend stops like, well, no, it doesn't talk. It doesn't tell us where we are. It's it's a tool to help us navigate to figure out what's in front of us and what's around us through through tactile and sound, right? That's just one example of like, you know, kids' curiosity. And then we either shush them or give them bad information um, instead of just saying, I don't know, what are you going to ask them? Um, and then that curiosity becomes shameful later on. And what's really interesting about disability is that it's the one common shared experience that we will have from from a perspective of, of being a minority at some point. At some point, you will have a disability, whether that's temporary or permanent, which is why I use the term non-disabled, because it's not ability that we're going to share in common. It's disability, uh, whether you sprain an ankle, which I did the other day, or break an elbow, or whatever the case may be, at some point we will all be disabled. And so it's it's the attitudes around fear, around shame, and then ableism, right? Which is this notion that one kind of mind, one kind of body is superior than others. And, and the norm mm -hmm. that we establish is non-disabled. And then because everybody with a mind and a body can just experience ableism is another common experience, but we don't often recognize it. And so the fact that we don't know how to unpack ableism um, and that oftentimes the people talking about disability, if at all, uh, if DEI are non-disabled, um, presents a, a myriad of challenges because then you start getting um, if there is a strategy, if there is a conversation at all, which is its own problem, we don't have enough representation. Disability is often forgotten in DEI. Mm -hmm. um, but if you do have a point of view, it's coming from non-disabled people. Mm -hmm. It's being led by non-disabled people. It's not centering communities. It's really led from this point of view. It's almost making non-disabled people feel better about themselves because disabled people are a charity case in essence and that's that's a reflection of ableism then you start getting harmful initiatives that aren't actually centering disabled folks um and so mm -hmm. to me that's really the biggest barrier if we can start even learning how to talk about disability in a way that is constructive that is helpful if we can start recognizing our own ableism because we all have it, then we will be taking a step in the right direction around, okay, we at least understand the issue. We understand the core barriers, then we can start dismantling them. Right now, I don't think that from that perspective, we even have a real true understanding. And then accessibility, to me, disability inclusion and accessibility are interlocked, but are not the same. Because accessibility really refers to how people are able to navigate, operate, interact um, in the world, whether that's physical, right, through like ramps and signage and being able to reach things um, at whatever height you might be approaching the world from. Um, that's like the infrastructure 
Same goes for digital accessibility. Am I able to navigate, operate, interact, and use any tool, technology, software, platform in the way that it was intended to without barrier because I'm using assistive technology. So that's the infrastructure. That's, to me, that's the bar. That's the lowest common denominator, and we're not there. That was inclusion consultant Mary Fernandez. We'll be right back with more stories of inclusion from the world of people living with disabilities. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back. Next, we feature Jonathan Kaufman, a thought leader and consultant in DEI. He's a Forbes contributor who often discusses the intersection of disability, business innovation, and culture, some of my favorite things. Um, I loved our conversation with Jonathan. He has a wealth of knowledge and experience working with organizations on their strategy and focus on embedding um, DEI to become a disability confident culture. Here we hear Jonathan's reaction to Lego's recent product line of characters with disabilities and why this representation matters. Let's take a listen. It's all about representation. And you're talking about the sort of diversity of representation and being able to have something um, like Legos is really great. And when you're talking about using products that is designed for early intervention, what this does is it then acclimates young children to say that the, the fact is there is such thing as human diversity. I always scratch my head at saying, wait, <laughs> there's diversity in nature. Why can't we figure this out as human beings? This is really a major flaw. Uh, but I loved it. Uh, again, you know, you should have heard from certain corners of the United States how woke this was. Mm. Hey, you know, that's political. To me, it's sort of problematic in the sense of this is about understanding who we are in terms of the diversity of what it means to be human. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. And if you have greater representation earlier in one's development, it's a win-win. That was Jonathan Kaufman, DEI thought leader. We also had Miriam Simantwala, who joined us on Inclusive Collective in our most recent season. Miriam has a long career as a lawyer and working at the State Department. In her conversation with her, she talked about her reason for launching her website called Blind Hijabi. Miriam talks about the need to belong and why transformation is necessary. Let's take a listen to a clip here. It's a personal choice. It mm -hmm. is something that my family and I wrestled with because, as I said, I'm already memorable enough. Do I really want to be more public facing. I mean, in, in a sense, you're right. In the State Department or in my day job, I'm behind the scenes as a lawyer, uh, you know, at a big firm. I was, as an associate, certainly more behind the scenes. Even, uh, you know, on the Hill as, as staff, as a fellow, I was behind the scenes. The forward-facing person is the senator, right? Or the, the member. And so why be more forward-facing? And my answer to that 
question is representation matters. Representation matters a lot. My sister said something to me that I uh, won't forget and that really moved me. She said, there are moms somewhere in some corner of the world, uh, in, in, in South Asia, in the Middle East, in Africa, in the Western Hemisphere, there are kids. And whether they have disabilities or whether they're moms of kids with disabilities or whether they're just moms of little girls, you know, or moms of kids who are quote unquote different, they're going to look at you and they're going to derive a sense of hope. And I thought that was a little daunting, a little profound, a little scary. <laughs> and I said, oh, I want to be in the head because, you know, my husband put it best when he said, you know, we often get the statement, oh, you're an inspiration or your story is so inspirational. And my husband said, I don't show up to be inspirational. I just show up. And that's it. I think for me, the project, I called the blind hijabi a bit of a project. Because it is. It's, it's the project of storytelling. And what I'm hoping to do is not just tell my story, but in the future, tell the story of others, tell the story of respect for human difference and human dignity. Because actually, when you strip away the blind and you strip away the hijabi, you're just left with the. And the could be She's about like, anything. Anyone. Rob, it could be about you. Yeah. Asad, it could be about Even you. Even me. Right. Yeah, it could be about anybody, right? Like, and, yeah. and you could be non-disabled, which is a temporary condition because sure. I think the only uh, permanent condition, especially as we age, is disability, right? 25% of Americans are, are individuals with disabilities. Yeah. But the sad thing is over 66% of working age Americans with disabilities don't have a job. Don't have a job. Wow. Right. And if we're there, I shudder to think where the rest of the world is. And I know from experience and from my travel and from stories that, that, you know, we've got a long way to go. So how do we change that narrative? How do we flip that narrative? The blind hijabi is about changing and flipping, not just that narrative, but the narrative of power and privilege by saying, look, we're all memorable. We've all got a voice. We've all got to use it. We've got to deploy it. And we've got to use it effectively in the moment. And I don't always use it effectively in the moment. So one of the conversations I'm having with myself and with others on the blind hijabi is, what are the mistakes I've made? And how do I learn to fail up? How do I learn from my failures? Because the other thing that tends to happen with people who have multiple identities and who are memorable because of those identities, unfortunately, is, because, is that every mistake they make is magnified in a microscope. Right, right. Right. And that's scary. And I said recently, I said, imposter syndrome is real. It never goes away. And I truly believe that, you know, I truly believe that no matter where I'll go and what I'll do and what next I will do and what I will become, because evolution is constant and transformation is necessary. All right, folks, we'll be right back with our final highlight for the best of disability inclusion episode. Hi, folks. Welcome back. Finally, I wanted to highlight our conversation with co-founders of the leading haptic platform company, Weirworks. 
Keith Kirkland and Kevin Yu are doing really innovative and fun work, particularly in the haptic space, hoping to make the world a more accessible place. In this clip, um, we discussed how the world is not accessible enough and their desire to want to help change that by creating a product that uses touch to communicate movement information with inclusive design in mind. Let's take a listen here. I didn't meet a person who was blind until I met our advisor, you know, like who was a friend of Kevin's. So, you know, I can't say that in my world where I was going, it was like, oh, how this is the goal to build technology for people who are blind. And, and my personal door, I was really interested in how do we use touch to communicate information? And more importantly, I was interested in how does touch communicate movement information? And, you know, when Kevin came to me with the idea around, you know, because I was like, hey, let's let's work on my haptic kung fu suit, right? I mean, it's not really that much of a market. Um, and when Kevin came to me with the idea of after meeting Marcus and having a conversation with him around being lost, coming to campus to give a talk um, to some of the designers that Kevin were working with at the time and getting lost on campus and his challenges around that piece of it. And he brought in like haptics as a way of like navigation. I was like, wow, navigation is just a simpler form of movement than kung fu. Like instead mm. of three-dimensional space, it's two-dimensional. Instead of multiple points all over the body, it's one point. Instead of like three-dimensional space, you know, like, and moving in any direction, the whole command system is go straight, turn left, turn right, wrong way, you've arrived. And so the opportunity that I saw in working with the blind and visually impaired was the navigation piece, building something accessible, building something that actually like benefits and changes the world. And more importantly, building the foundation for how do we start to understand how to communicate you know, using the sense of touch without needing a visual or an audio component as a, mm -hmm. as a, as a subsidy or, or a subdominant portion of it. Um, mm -hmm. And so that was my opening into this world. And when we came into the door as well, you know, we hired people who were blind and visually impaired as consultants. You know, we had to ask some really, I mean, like, you know, very personal questions. Like I was, you know, like we pay people like, like, what's your morning routine? How do you go to the bathroom? Like, like very, very personal questions that like we needed to understand it in a really, really deeply nuanced way so that we could figure out like where does this product actually fit into people's lives? Um, Kev, I think that, you know, your opening with with Marcus and especially the initial testing that you did um, was super critical to the work that we started. So maybe you want to spend yeah. that story. Tell us that story, Kevin. It was it was an early journey, right, to something very exciting. And um, I've always learned from one of our mentors, uh, Henry Yu, he was kind of my uh, father figure of campus, right? And he has the same last name as me, also Korean stuff. So I was like, hey, really feel like mentor. But he was also really famous for design and his user experience um, understanding. He was kind of this madman genius that I would say um, just never enacted unless he really knew what was going on. And so one of the stories that he told a long time ago was, this person that was designing for the elder and she literally dressed up entirely as like an elder woman for like mm -hmm. weeks and nobody knew like who this person was like she just held that for a very long time and just like experienced life as somebody with arthritis and somebody who was you know having trouble going up to bus steps and all, all of it all of the above right so you get to understand a bunch of elements of where you could you know improve mm -hmm. a life of somebody that's living with sure. a certain condition so when this you know was told obviously it hit me very deeply and this is the way that i like to design as well right you can't just 
start a problem and expect people to follow that problem to a solution. Um, I believe that, you know, with the problem already st like stated existing in the world, you as a designer or industrial designer or architect or whatnot um, in the creative field, you get to morph that into something that could really change the world. So one of the major things that I did do once I did meet Art Marcus, uh, who was the friend that became blind and he's the one that invited to a small group that I was uh, hosting for um, inclusive design oriented mentalities. That was still very new at the time, like haptic was new. And so was like inclusive mm -hmm. design. It was just made popular by Apple, like, you know, a couple of years after, but before then nobody even used the words like inclusive design as frequently mm -hmm. as we do now. So back then it was like, Hey, we're doing something like this because I'm tired of designing cars and yachts and these crazy things that will improve life by like 5%, 10%. And my father will always say, you know, make something that will do a 180 spin, um, make that yeah. big impact in life. That's what you can actually right. do with your skills. So with some of this mind mindset, I did, I was living in the West Village at the time, um, after, uh, recently after graduation. And I went through two weeks of walking around the city, center of Manhattan in Washington Square Park, all around with our, um, you know, previous, uh, co-founder as well, y'all. And. He was driving me around and I would go visit and meet friends completely um, with a blindfold on first because I would always just unconsciously open my eyes. It's very difficult to just put yourself in a state, right? You, you, you don't, you forget or you just do it uh, unconsciously. So for the first week or so, I'd be cheating a lot, just opening my eyes. So I had to put a blindfold on. And then after a week, I felt more comfortable to just get around with my eyes closed. Yeah. I had a cane. Um, I had the wayband prototype, but mainly I had just my senses and I understood how important it was to have audio sense, not mm -hmm. be distracted. I understood mm -hmm. that like deeply and also the major things that I was uh, taking for granted, like just general orientation, right? So one time I was holding a car waiting for my friends to come back from this place after picking something up and I decided to just let go of the car for a second, just to like walk towards an interesting sound of bird or something. And then I was trying to find the car again and I couldn't. I completely okay. lost my orientation. He found me after like 10, 15 minutes, found me like walking closer into the forest. And he was like yelling my name, like, dude, yeah. what are you doing? So pretty much just simple things like that. Just understanding your general orientation by having a point of interest or whatever, it becomes very, very difficult and challenging uh, without sight. So just getting the, the, the problem super in depth and learning it from a personal level and then growing that with the community to identify that I understand. And I'm not just coming into this because we're designers and we want to improve your lives, but we're coming in through um, the experience. Thanks again to our guests highlighted today for joining us, Mary Fernandez, Jonathan Kaufman, Miriam Semantuala, and Keith Kirkland and Kevin Yu of WearWorks. And thanks, of course, to my co-host, Rob Hadley, who is MIA right now. <laughs> Um, Inclusive Collective is a production of Refillion Media. We would love to hear from you, so send us your feedback at inclusivecollective at refillion.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. If you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to get in touch with us for consulting, you can check me out at nasconsultants.com and rob at takanoconsulting.com. Thanks again, folks. See you next week. Be well. Yeah.